There have been so many guests on the podcast that I wish we could have gotten more one-on-one time with. Because when you really get to sit down and have that intimate experience, you learn so much more. And that's why we love our longtime partner, Masterclass. Because where else are you going to get one-on-one time with RuPaul? Teaching you how to be your most authentic self as if among friends. And if you were as fascinated as I was after Natalie Portman joined the show, maybe you wanted to go deeper. And her acting class on Masterclass lets you do just that. With their set of 180-plus world-class instructors, you're in good hands when you decide to set out on your next learning adventure. Plus, if it's not for you, they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. My favorite. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things. One purchased, one donated. That's the promise of Bombas, whose incredibly comfy socks, tees, and underwear go not only to you when you buy them, but also to people facing homelessness. So when you put on that buttery soft tea or realize you've developed a habit of reaching for Bomba socks, which I do, over every other pair in the drawer, you'll know that someone in need is having that same feeling. Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. And I continue to believe the best people are free. Hello, Lefts. Oh my God. Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to We Can, can Do hard, hard Things. Oh. This is what my kids do in the back of the car. No, sister, she does this to me no. sometimes. She follows no. me around and will not stop repeating things like she's five freaking years old. I know, but didn't you guys laugh a little bit just right now? No, look at me, no. You did, you laughed. No. You laughed, you're smile. You're we smiling. laugh so we don't cry. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Sissy, Sissy, how, how is, your, is summer your summer going? <laughs> Talk okay. to us a little bit about your summer and how it's going, sis. It was going great until this. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I just mm-hmm. needed to bring some joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so look how joyful I am about it. <laughs> She's so joyful. Look at that face. So we have a new member of the family I need to tell you about. Okay. Oh. Mm-hmm. Last weekend, we went to a crawfish boil. <laughs> okay. So this is a thing that is usually, it's sort of a Southern thing, I think, because crawfish are from Louisiana. That's That's where the crawfish sing? Yes, where the crawfish sing. Exactly. And so some folks up here had a crawfish boil. We got invited. So I was, John was out of town and I took the kids up there and I learned something about the two types of kids there are in the world. And one type of kid goes to a crawfish boil and eats. Mm -hmm. And then an other type of kid goes to a crawfish boil and searches the entire yard for any lone survivor of the crawfish (laughs) boil that doesn't make it into the pot and picks it up with their bare hands and demands that we rescue this crawfish and make it part of our family. So that is in fact what happened. Alice found this little baby crawfish and God bless her. She 
she has no fear. She just ran. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a mini lobster. Yeah. With it's little pictures. It looks like a tiny mini lobster. She found it in on the ground. She picked it up and was and was carrying it around. And she was like, I'm not leaving without Buddy. Not without my crawdad. Not without Buddy, which she had immediately named. Oh. And so I had to go and borrow a pan, like a baking pan, and, <laughs> and put the crawfish in the pan. We rode our bikes there. I had to abandon my bike and walk home with this like large <laughs> baking pan with the water. But at first I tried to put it in like a little mason jar, mm-hmm. uh-huh. but I only had filtered water that had been sitting in the cooler at the crawfish boil. So I poured the water on it, at which time it like clinched up into a tiny <gasps> ball because Louisiana water is not apparently like that. And it was little Buddy was like in a frozen ball. So then we oh, had to no. take Buddy off and put him on Alice's like skin on skin. Oh my gosh. To warm Buddy up. Skin on exoskeleton. Skin on exoskeleton. <laughs> until Buddy warmed up and then transfer him to the pan. Okay. And walked him home and... <sighs> It was a whole situation. I had to watch five YouTube videos she made me watch mm. so we could determine the sex. So Buddy turns out, Buddy's a, a female. Buddy, okay. Buddy the, the craw femme. But and Buddy will reveal Buddy's gender when Buddy's damn ready. Older. Right, yeah. right, right. right. When Buddy's okay. But then turns out Buddy needs all kinds of various accoutrements because Buddy cannot <laughs> live in a pan. And so I went on Facebook Marketplace because all of the aquariums are like $700. Right. And I'm Very like, ridiculous. no, no, over my dead buddy, am I going to spend $500 on this thing? So I go on Facebook Marketplace and I buy this aquarium and filled up the tank and we just watched Buddy for like 10 hours. Watched Buddy in there. Buddy was so happy. And then the next morning. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. What? Buddy the next, passed. I went. Buddy, buddy yeah. went to the different lands. Crawdad yes. heaven. What did Alice do? How did she respond? She just kept saying, "I don't understand. I don't understand." Oh. And it was very sad. And I tried to explain that Buddy had been through a lot of trauma. I mean, Buddy mm. was sent in a in a cooler Mm-mm. from Louisiana. All the crawdads are in there fighting each other in the cooler. Then they get there. Then. 99% of Buddy's comrades boiled. Oh, Jesus. Buddy then then frozen with my filtered water, <laughs> then unfrozen, and then spent the last 24 hours of Buddy's life in the bougiest aquarium of its wildest. She thing. had a good send off. Yeah, I feel yeah. like she really had the last little happiness. So we have a, this weekend, we have a memorial um, because Alice do. wanted to wait till Buddy's godmother, which was her <laughs> other little friend, who was also at the crawfish boil with us. When the godmother returns to town, we can have a proper. Does Alice eat meat? Is she mostly vegetarian? Um, She does eat meat, but I remember recently she asked me, why do we eat animals? Oh, shit. And I was like, I don't understand. When you say it like that, I don't know. (laughs) It's really fucked up. (laughs) It is fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, so that was the the big events of our last um, couple days. I mean, Buddy might be the only crawfish on earth who really experienced true love. Mm. You know, was truly loved at the end there. Yeah. Well, we don't know. There could be a lot of true loves down in, I mean, it's New Orleans. 
lot of yeah, love going on there. Baby. That's true. Free, okay, free crawfish right. love down there. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> How are you, babe? How's your summer? Anything that um, exciting? My summer has been going really wonderfully. Really? I just feel like our kids are at, a, are at a cool age where we're starting to like really get to know them. Their personalities are starting to like really start stabilize mm-hmm. yeah yeah you yeah. know the young years they're are picking a lane they're picking a they're freaking tough. lane um but something that's been happening recently the last two days mm. i've decided to play music loudly oh yeah yeah yeah. in our top floor one hour before dinner mm-hmm. where i oh. get to kind of center myself before i have to go into the cooking cleaning whirlwind of of dinner and we've been choosing to listen to the station called Born in the USA. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Last night we ended up with a white snake. Yeah. It really, it's a little bit life-changing that hour. And so we sit there, we play solitaire. We dance. We get the cards out and we sing. And I take silly videos of Blennon because that's my favorite thing. Because, you know, we, we've been going back to my 80s glam rock headbanger. And before every song, sister, literally <laughs> before every like top 80s song comes on, she goes, this is might my be fa- my, my favorite. favorite. This is my favorite. This yes. is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And then Here goes into- I go again on my own. And then she goes into, my hair was this big. And- <laughs> it was. God, Abby. I'm just like, did you go to any of these concerts? And she's like, no. no, I wasn't allowed to do anything, but I had all their posters covering my walls. I'm doing good. It's been a good summer. <sighs> I'm not excited for it to be over. How is your summer going? Um, well, I feel like I have just kind of figured out over the last couple weeks that I'm in in like a different phase. So, you know how the winter was kind of hard for me. I had a, the eating disorder relapse, all the things I think I was in a bit of a depression. Um, when you're in that, I don't know why, but it's hard to recognize it. I just feel like, Mm -hmm. oh, my life is terrible and Mm -hmm. everything's awful and I hate everything. I've always hated everything and I've always been this way. Mm -hmm. I can't see it as like a, a season Mm -hmm. when I'm in it, but now I am starting to see it as a season. So I think about the time that comes after that season for me. So I have a time where I am down, we call it down, depressed, uh, melancholy, whatever you want to call it, a sadness comes, like sinks in like a haze over my life. And then I come out of it and it lifts. And now I'm in the post lift time. Yay. And what happens in this time? is that it's like the depressed time is a forgetting of everything. Mm. And I always forget the beauty of the after season because I forget everything and then I come back to life. And the next season is a very much like a springtime. Everything is brand new. I'm learning everything for the first time. Everything's beginner's mind. Mm. It's like I'm learning how to be human again for the first time. And it's silly. It's like, oh, water. Oh, moving my body. Oh, the sun, fresh air. It's like Mm -hmm. I'm an alien who's been dropped on the planet and I'm learning everything for the first time. And it's quite wonderful, actually. Mm. And I've been thinking about it in terms of um, crabs. 
What? <laughs> Just stick with me. Like for a the animal yes, since we've crabs, been on the crawfish? Which, by the way, I didn't think of until you said that. Okay. Oh. Sister and I spent a lot of time near the Chesapeake Bay, so everything was about crabs. So, crabs, they have seasons where they start to hide. They go into very dark places of the bay and they hide. And then they're hiding because they're losing their shell. And they have to hide because they're very vulnerable when they lose their shell. They're soft shell crabs. Soft shell crabs are crabs that are caught in between losing their old shell and growing a new shell. They're mid-transformation. Right, they're mid-transformation. They're on the Um, landing and they got caught. They're on the fucking landing (laughs) and they didn't make their boundaries. Okay, they (laughs) snuck out. (laughs) <laughs> and they got picked off. That's why when you are in a depression, you keep your boundaries. You don't you don't go out where there's predators. Oh, okay? Cuz you are a soft shell crab. I do believe that there is something about going through a deeply sad, melancholy time that is about growth. Mm. That we can't understand like what the hell is happening and we think it's all bad. But what I do think is in this season, and by the way, I won't be able to see this next time it happens to me. I will not be able to see it mm-hmm. until afterwards. I know. I'll remind but you. But there is a time where it's like a molting that this like depression thing for me is sort of terrible and I don't think I would choose it. But it also is a reset that happens every once in a while in my life that is about getting bigger. Hmm. Like what do you mean by bigger? Like growing into a new self. Oh. It's a new self. It's a beginning, but it's like leveling up. It's like a video game and I'm on a new level and it has nothing to do with like outer things like you wouldn't be able to see, but there's just a spiritual growth that's happening. So I just want it in case anyone is in the, the molting part or the dark part or the whatever, I want to read this paragraph that has helped me through many a molting times. Many a molting. Many a molting times. So I'm going to read something by Rilke. It's called Letters to a Young Poet. He's writing to his friend, who is a young poet. And the young poet is going through a melancholy time. He's a feely. Not a poet going through a melancholy time. (laughs) Sister, yes. Okay. So he is an older writer, anxious, sensitive bunny, who's trying to coach this young poet about making it through these times and being this kind of deeply feeling person. And he says to him this, so you must not be frightened if a sadness rises up before you larger than any you have ever seen. If a restiveness like light and cloud shadows passes over your hands and over all you do, you must think that something is happening with you, that life has not forgotten you, that it holds you in its hand. It will not let you fall. Why do you want to shut out of your life any agitation, any pain, any melancholy, since you really do not know what these states are working upon you? Okay, so that's where I am. I don't know what the next thing is. I just am experiencing everything as brand new. When a crab molts, does it molt into a larger shell? Yeah. Okay. For real. I've got yeah. some buddy intel on that. Okay. Oh my God. Of course you do. You have done research. I hope. On this. Well, I had to watch all the YouTube videos with Alice. She pulled them okay, all great. up. We had to watch them all. So when, at least a crawfish, I assume they're related. <laughs> yeah. When a crawfish molts, 
That's mm-hmm. when it's exoskeleton. It comes out. It's the soft thing. It actually consume. They said, don't take that skeleton out. You've got to leave that in there <gasps> because they eat it oh. to have the strength to build their next one around them. That is some shit. So they need the nutrients from the Malt. what looks like a discarded, useless past identity to grow into their new, going to take them forward identity. Wow. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. None of that old pain. I <laughs> feel that in my endoskeleton well, bones. That is true, that we are using every bit of every version of ourselves we have ever been to create the next version of ourselves that we will be. And that sometimes when we're feeling really, really tender in our family, we call it tender. Mm-hmm. When we're feeling really tender, really porous, really sensitive, we think that that's a weak state, but I think actually that could be a transformative state where we are becoming the next thing. Mm-hmm. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. It's true. You don't go somewhere new and exotic just to be there. You go to do things, be it a historical walking tour ziplining through the trees, or guided tours through museums. Like the hassle-free self-guided audio tour our family took through Versailles. If you're planning a trip and really want to make the most out of your time, I recommend you check out Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences from simple tours to extreme adventures. And there's something for everyone in over 190 countries. Thrill rides, spooky ghost tours, secret food guides, exploration off the beaten path. It's all there, along with millions of real traveler reviews, 24-7 customer service, various payment options, and flexibility and support with free cancellation. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I have a question for you about your beginner's mind. When you talk about how everything is new and it's beautiful when you kind of wake up from the Mm -hmm. depressive state, how long does that last? Because my only analogy to that is when I'm feeling Mm. sick and I'm in my bed, I always, well, first of all, I always think I'm going to die. Whenever mm-hmm. I get sick and I'm in, I'm like, this is over. I had such a good run. Yes. I wasn't ever as happy as I should have been. And now I'm never, this is like, I have a fever. Okay. Have now I'm flu. never going to get better. And God, if I had only enjoyed my life. And then I always swear to God that once I feel healthful again, I'll never complain. I'll be so happy just to be able to not be sick. And, and then I start to feel better and I feel like that. Truly. I feel so grateful for about seven and a half hours. And then I'm back (laughs) to my just curmudgeon self. So how long does that last? Okay. I love this whole comparison because I, weird, here comes weird Glennon. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here we are 
if there's a God and I've always, even when I was like, you know, just on cocaine and alcohol and would feel like God was hanging out with me and we were just like buddies always. Mm -hmm. If there's a God, if God is like joy and love and peace for human beings are when they notice the little miracles of life. That's it. People who can soak in the sun and see their friendships and their loves as a miracle and breathe and feel like that's a miracle and walk around. If that's the joy. Carpe Kairos. Great. Then when I get too far from that, because I've become so capable again, Mm -hmm. because I've become so efficient, because I've become so like steady and stable, then that's when the depression comes because that takes me back to beginner's mind and the beauty and the joy again. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily feel like it's, I I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for saying like depression is a blessing from God that takes us back to beginner's mind. I don't think it's exactly that, but I do think that for me, that's how I can frame it to make it instead of feeling cruel to feel like a blessing. That's what the episode with Dr. Lori Santos about. Mm -hmm. um, She's the professor who teaches the happiness class at Yale. And the science behind it really is that the irony is that the happiest people are deeply in touch with the precariousness Mm -hmm. of life. Mm -hmm. They are happy because they realize that anything could change at any time and that it is not as steady as it feels. You think those would be the people that would be most sad about life, but they're actually the happiest because Mm -hmm. they appreciate that this is all very unstable and therefore their gratitude for it is bigger. Yes. That's how it feels. Yeah. And it feels like back to the basics. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cute that you thought you were like an actual grown-up and you were like chugging right along and like a back to the beginning and little things. And if I describe to you what that bigger self looks like, I can already feel it coming. And it's silly, like really silly. Like when I am in my beginning growing the new shell phase, I have to find little teeny spots where I feel safe. So as you all know, I've been going to this little yoga studio. I'm talking about it a lot because it's my little safe place right now. And I freaking love it. And I'm laying there the other day and there's these teachers that are all different, but they're all amazing. And they say the nicest things. They just are like, you all are beautiful and perfect and amazing. And you all are breathing. And that is amazing. I'm like, yes to this. I love you. I need somebody saying really nice things to me. Mm-hmm. I need somebody who tells me I'm perfect the way I am. I need this. You are. Okay. That's a basic thing. Yes to that. This is a new thing for my new self that I'm learning in the yoga studio. I, um, when I go there, there's all these like young people there who are doing very hard things <laughs> for mm-hmm. a very long time. Okay. Mm-hmm. They are doing hard yoga. And I think of myself as the permission to rest lady mm-hmm. in those classes. <laughs> yeah. PTR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashtag PTR. Okay. I am like mm, child's pose for 20 minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> and it's I just awesome. do it. And it feels so good to give myself exactly what I needed. And here's the thing. I realized this. I am 46 years old. That's how old you are. Yeah. And I don't want to do my best anymore. Oh. I actually, and I'm sorry to tell you my business business partners, (laughs) I don't want to give 100% anymore. I don't believe in it. 
I want to show up at things that make me feel good. And I want to give like 70%. And I want to keep a little bit for extra and for me. I don't want to work hard and play hard. I want to work medium and play low. (laughs) Play low. Your play also, just don't forget, is is reading and resting. That's play low. No, it's 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 balance, right? It's like work medium, play medium. Yeah. Okay. But what I'm saying is I don't buy it anymore. I don't buy the like show up and give a hundred percent anymore. I feel like show up and do exactly what feels right and good and tender and loving to you. Every time I'm there, I'm like, well, I already did it. I'm already here. Who cares what happens next? You know? So this is a new way of this new self. And it feels like if we just showed up and gave medium, we wouldn't have to be like, always wanting to quit. Yeah. Forever. We wouldn't stress about it. That, that's that been revolutionary for me and my working out right now is I just show up and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. It's awesome. So this is what I mean by a new self. It's not like a, you know, leveling up in any way that anyone else would be able to tell. It might look like leveling <laughs> like down. down. What you're saying Tony Robbins isn't co-signing on this. Uh, <laughs> for fuck's up. sake. No, it's the opposite. I'm like a demotivational molter. <laughs> Okay. And I know that that sounds funny, but I actually think it's very true and real and deep because it's like unlearning all of the things that frantic capitalistic culture teaches us about what we have to do to be relevant. And, oh, no, no, this is what I have to do to be peaceful and one loved. Of, one of my favorite things that I've recently read, uh, a famous person was just asked, what is your most favorite thing that you're doing right now? And they said, divesting. And I thought, shit, that's so awesome. They're a little bit older. And I thought, yeah, you know, divesting. Because like you get to the, you're like, I need to get and and invest and create and grow my family and whatever. And I thought, I think that we need to make the transition to the divesting sooner. Mm-hmm. I think that and by that's that you where, mean just extricating yourself from yes. things that aren't the core of what you care about? Yeah. 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 yeah looking time. at all the things that everyone told us we had to do and being like, do I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Questioning everything. Anyway, that's how our summer's going. One of life's most prevalent paradoxes that I often note is a closet full of clothes, but nothing to wear. But people who say that about their closet haven't shopped at Quince. I'll put my money on that. Quince is my, and soon to be your, go-to for high quality yet affordable luxury essentials from organic cotton to washable silk and sparkling jewelry. I am currently obsessed with all of their belt bags. Do you know this? They're the kind of bags that you can sling over the front of you, the kind that are actually like attached to a belt around your waist. And there's even like nylon ones that I've bought. They are under 30 bucks and they are really good for active wear and also hands-free. This is what I'm talking about. The new bag of the future is hands-free and they are super inexpensive at Quince. Love them. Check them out. The best part is Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, which not only helps us trust the quality and origin of the pieces, but also cuts out unnecessary extra costs and allows us to bask in the savings. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com 
slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash hard things. I'm so excited to hear from a pod squatter today. We get this one question asked over and over again from so many people. So we're going to do uh, focus on, in on one question today. And that question is from Catherine. Hi, my name is Catherine. My relationship with both of my parents has never been easy. They are both complicated people, but I know they love me. But there have been many times in my life where I have been extremely hurt by their words and their actions. I know these words and actions stem from a place of pain from their own experiences and challenges that each of them have faced. Despite knowing this, I find it so hard to not hold on to how they have treated me in the past, which leads me to resentment. This has led to what now feels like a barrier between us. Do you have any advice on how to accept the people we love, knowing they are imperfect and cannot always recognize how they've affected us in the past? I love my parents and I still need them in my life, but I can't help but wish they were better to me. Thank you so much in advance. I love all three of you. Bye-bye. Catherine, I feel like this, I don't know about you two, but it feels like this in some form is the question that every single one of my friends is dealing with right now. Yeah. It's like a a time of life thing or- our age, right? Our parents are getting a little older. Like we're having existential crisis because of the age of our parents. And because we are figuring more out and looking back on our childhoods. And some of us are parenting. We're figuring out how we're parenting mm. and then wondering why they didn't parent us the way that we're parenting. Anyway, it's lots of, lots of problems here. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, Catherine, I had a really cool conversation with a couple of friends recently who were talking about this exact scenario that they want to be able to hang out with their parents and not be angry all the time and not be resentful and not wish things were different, but just accept what is, especially when you get to the point where you realize you're not going to change anybody Mm -hmm. and you kind of give up on that, Mm -hmm. that idea that forgiveness is letting go of the idea that your past could have been any different. Mm -hmm. I know I have a a friend who, who told us (laughs) that one of the ways she made it through this was that she stopped she was 50 years old before she stopped thinking of her parents as her parents. So let's say that her parents were Bob and Joe. Nope. Maybe there was a woman and a man. Yeah, I'm no, so I used love to that. like, uh, I love so, that. You just okay. like, you went into a gay man's. I did. I'm sorry. That's to so cool. Homosexual brain instead of a heteronormative <laughs> brain. Okay. Let's just go to like Betty and Joe for this one. Okay. So Betty and Joe are your parents and you've called them mom and dad your whole life. When you're 50 years old and you're trying to figure out how do I have a relationship with these two people that is not so freaking loaded with resentment, one strategy is to stop thinking of Betty and Joe as your parents, as my mom and dad, and just start thinking of them and refer to them in your mind as Betty and Joe. Okay, now let me explain why. Because when we say my mom, my mom, my mom, my mom, What we're also bringing to that is all of these expectations we have for what a mom should have been, what we believe a mom should have been, and and the gap is there between what we think should have happened and what actually did happen. Mm. Or even even in the present, like what we think should happen when my mom should call me right now. Mm. If we call her mom, we're bringing all of these expectations and resentments and sadness to it right away. But At some point, we figure out that our parents are just freaking people who have their own personalities and their own trauma and their own upbringing and their own experiences on the earth. And they've just always been themselves, right? So when we think about whether 
our mom called us or not when we hoped she would and she didn't. We just think instead of my mom didn't call me, it's like, well, Betty's just bettying. Mm-hmm. There's Joe over there. Joe's just Joeing. It's like this depersonalization of roles. Mm-hmm. And when we take the role out of it, there's something, I've been trying it, and there's something kind of sweet that comes into it too, where you just start seeing your parents as human beings. We see it all now with our grown kids. They're already telling us stuff we did wrong Mm -hmm. or stuff that we whatever. And I think that for them to start seeing us as like Glennon and Abby, Mm. two people that are just trying to do their best and love them and and have our own shit, um, it's just one little strategy. Is it possible to accept familial relationships as they are and also crave more? Mm-hmm. I, I I think that the acceptance of the way things are has allowed me the chance at time spent with, mm-hmm. with my family, with my mom, especially. Um, she's recently gone through some health stuff, which she's, she's come out perfectly on the other side. And I feel like I kind of left my resentments in the past and I just want to experience the time I have left with her mm-hmm. in a non-chaotic, non-resentful. And I think that maybe there will be a part of me that always craves more. Like, but that's just like me, mm-hmm. you know? And I can't, Judy's just going to Judy. Judy's Judying. She's going to Judy and Abby's going to Abby. Yeah, Abby's going to Abby. I that's still, great. I'm a person who craves more connection. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. I think both things can be true at the same time. I think there's a distinction here. We hear this all the time. And what we hear from Catherine is she says, I find it so hard to not hold on to how they have treated me in the past with resentment. Mm-hmm. So I think there's two buckets of people who are dealing with this. One is... I'm looking back in my life and seeing freshly for the first time that I was not treated the way I should have been. Mm-hmm. And now it's hard for me to be in live relationship with you, knowing that this unexcavated mm-hmm. <laughs> treatment that we have never talked about um, is always there. And then we have this mm-hmm. whole second group of people where there's active mistreatment, crossing of boundaries in the live right now. And that's the second bucket. We're going to have Nedra Tuab on soon to talk about that whole phenomenon. But I think with Catherine, I just want to say that I get it. It comes from a really real place. There's almost a sense of justice that our lives and our personhood demands to be, wait, I'm looking back on this and I see that this was candidly fucked up. Mm -hmm. But now I'm in a relationship with you that doesn't acknowledge, that doesn't unearth, that doesn't deal with that. And it's somehow I am complicit in my own mistreatment Mm. by not unearthing that or not testifying to it. So does it feel like you're abandoning your old self, your little self, if you let it go? Yeah, I think Uh, that the reason uh a lot of us are getting to this point in our lives is we're just beginning to understand boundaries. We're just beginning to understand what we will accept and what we won't. And then we look back in our lives and say, the people that are closest to me are the people that I have that mm. I have accepted the most bullshit from. So and you yeah. want to set like retroactive boundaries. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, but but what I want to say to that is like you we don't need to defend unless it's an active thing right now and that's a separate bucket. We don't need to defend ourselves and we don't need to in some ways punish ourselves for being unable to defend ourselves then. Mm. Cuz we were children. 
Mm-hmm. And the fact that somebody treated us badly doesn't mean we did anything wrong. And it's almost like a self-flagellation that happens now when we are uncomfortable because of the way treat- people treated us in the past, like we have to make it right for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But that's not on us. That's on the other person to make it right if they mm-hmm. choose to. And many of them will not. Mm-hmm. So it's the freedom to be like, yeah, Joe and Sally, they didn't do right. And also that's not my problem. Mm-hmm. What's happening right now is deciding what relationship I want with the limitations of who these people are and can it be a satisfying situation for me and that I don't need to carry this book bag of burden just because it was handed to me when I was young. Mm -hmm. I can put it down and try to have whatever relationship feels warm to me now if it does. It's cognitive dissonance because we're like, I love you. This is lovely. But yet I keep looking back and seeing how fucked up Mm -hmm. that was. That's not ours to carry. That's theirs to carry. And I bet they're Mm -hmm. thinking the same thing. Yeah. But that's their bag to carry. You don't have to live in the cognitive dissonance. You can Mm -hmm. live right now because you don't have to get that retroactive justice for yourself. Yeah, it's good. I think there can be a letting go and a forgiveness of the past when we remember. I was reading this article recently that brought up the Um, idea of presentism, which is presentism is the idea of applying what we know now and who we are now to past situations. So what that means is I look at like, I think of myself and what I know now about boundaries and what I know about like healthy relationships. And even my parents know now about boundaries and healthy relationships and mental health and all the things. And I take who everything I know now, and I look back at my, at my life when I was 10 and I'm like, why the hell didn't this happen? And this happen and this happen and this happen because I'm taking my consciousness mm-hmm. now and applying it back then. And there's Like, sweet Jesus, I hope that my children in 30 years will not apply their consciousness then to me right now, because I hope 30 years from now that I even have like, I know a lot more and I can understand more a lot about interpersonal relationships and I know more about the world. And, but now I actually am doing the best I can with what I know. Mm -hmm. So Sometimes people are doing the best they can with what they know, and it's still not good enough for your future self mm-hmm. because you know more. It's also sometimes avoid- not good enough for your present self. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a big quagmire that everybody has to figure out. But that little idea helps me of That's presentism, good. of not applying the same consciousness retroactively. Yeah. And expecting that everything would should have happened the way it would now. Yeah. That's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. I bet a lot of parents are like, I did the best that I could. That's what they mean. You're just like, different now. Yeah, they just mean like, I think I was doing the best I could. And the thing under the thing that I think is the reason that this type of question and this type of feeling is so pernicious is that what she says is how they've affected me. So when we get to this stage in our lives and we have then as much as self-awareness, it's not just that they did that thing back then. It's because what they did back then is so inside of us that we can see it in our own actions, in our own automatic responses to things, Mm -hmm. in the way that we are parenting our kids. And that makes us pissed. Yes. That's why parents are so triggering. 
Because the mm-hmm. thing That's in right. them is the thing in you yeah. that you are most allergic to. Yeah. yeah. I just always view it as like a football player carrying the ball. I'm like, my parents were given a set of circumstances on the field. And they really did carry the ball. They -hmm. carried the ball as far as they could. And they carried what for them was a dramatic drive down the field. Yeah, that's right. Now, my job, I know that I have shit in me that is going to affect my kids and I wish it weren't. And all I'm going to do is carry the ball as far as I can Mm -hmm. down the field. And then I know that my kids will have the same. But when they finish their play, it is going to look wildly different than my parents. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just because we're all just doing the best that we can. And what you've just said allows us to take the power in a situation where we didn't get or receive the kind of love and attention that we needed back then. Because if we are playing out these scripts in so many ways, like all of us do, that we have our parents in us, that's something that we can proactively do Mm -hmm. to figure out, okay, where am I going to make sure that I don't pass this on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where therapy is. But you don't, I don't know a ton about the sports, but I imagine <laughs> that you don't spend your down mm-hmm. going back to your parents down and like rerunning their their plays over and over. Like you stay in your mm-hmm. part. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I have a surprise to tell you, honey. I booked us an Airbnb at the Thousand Islands with more space and privacy. And we get to opt into my family. So near family, but not with family. Yes. You solved family near, but not with. (laughs) Thank you, Airbnb. (laughs) Have you ever thought about renting your place out? Like when you go away like that? Yeah, I have. There's some big events coming up in LA in the near future that I'm very excited that possibly we're going to do that for sure. When you really think about it, babe, it really is the perfect way to make some extra money when we're away from LA. When you're just living somewhere, it's easy to forget that the place you live in is actually a travel destination others want to visit. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Airbnb.com slash host. Sister, you should rent your house too. Okay, let's hear from our pod squatter of the week. Can we hear from sweet Lexi, please? Hi, this is Lexi, and I am calling because I just want to thank you all for changing the world. You are getting into people's subconscious, including mine, and a couple of honest things here. I talk to the three of you all day long. I ask you questions, and you answer me back. We are in conversation all the time because I listen to your podcast, and you are in my head, and thank you for that. Another thing, I just want you to tell me I'm doing a good job. I have four children, seven and under, and it's a lot. And if I could ever hear it from you guys that I'm doing a good job, it would mean the world to me. Oh, Lexi, I am a person that words of affirmation is my jam. Mm -hmm. Glennon is not as much. Lexi, you're doing an incredible job. Four children under the age of seven. The fact that you even knew to remember numbers, yes. to dial numbers. She knows how old they are. She knows how many of them they are. Well, the numbers to the pod squad. She to, knows phone numbers. To, to the voicemail, to dial in, to call and leave this voicemail. Jesus, crushing it. 
Get out of here. I get this. I mean, going back to the beginning of this episode, when I sit in that little room and those women tell me that I'm doing a good job just by breathing and that I am fine. And that Lexi, sometimes when I think about those teachers, like I get scared they're going to leave. Like I get terrified that they're going to leave because I need for them to tell me that I'm okay. And I actually was thinking about that this morning. And I thought, I wonder if that's how the pod squad feels about us. Mm. That's like a bold thing to say and consider, but it made me feel really good and important because it made me feel like maybe that's all that they need is to just hear us say we are here and it's hard for us too. And we love you and you are crushing it. And if it's really hard for you, if like life and love and marriage and work and losing and all of it's really hard for you, that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. In fact, Lexi, that probably means you're doing it right because people who are doing what I would call life right, which means that you're just showing up again and again and trying and failing and flailing and trying again, um, are often the people for whom life is the hardest. Yeah. Lexi, we love you. We think that actually there's nobody better on the entire freaking earth than Lexi, right? I'll go ahead and say it. I'll I'll go ahead and say it. Go ahead. You're the best in the whole earth. (laughs) You're the best in the world, Lexi. Lexi, you're doing a beautiful job. And it's like in school when they said, if someone asks a question, it means the rest of the class had the same question. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I think we should go ahead and extrapolate from Lexi that everybody needs to know they're doing great. And I would just like to say, I was listening to a podcast this morning about historically our roles. And I firmly believe that 50 years, 100 years from now, they're going to look back on this generation of women and be like, what in the actual fuck? Mm-hmm. Like we are at this intersection of, of having it all, of having the careers, of having the educations, of having the whatever. And we are doing more than has ever been done before. Yeah. You know what we all did a hundred years ago? Farmed. Mm-hmm. The kids farmed. Mm-hmm. We farmed. Yep. Husbands farmed. There weren't dance classes. Nobody was <laughs> taking anybody to school. Nobody was making sure they got tutored on Saturday. No one was making origami. Okay. Cutting Summer camps were sandwiches. not a thing. Summer camp. <laughs> this was not, everybody. They woke up. They farmed. They went to sleep. Nobody <laughs> talked about what they felt. No, there was an essay writing class for college admissions and also your 50 hour a week job. And also, did you remember avocados? Because it's a super fucking food. Nobody was doing that shit. Okay, so this is what I want to say, Lexi. Historically, people will look back on you. There will be statues of Lexi. And they will say, thank God we stopped that horrendous experiment we were doing that just eviscerated all the women. Yeah. That's right. That's it. That's and it. with that, with statue and honor to Lexi, we end. We will see you next time if you come back <laughs> on We Can Do Hard Things. Pour one out for Buddy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. I walked through fire, I came out the other side. I chased.
Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine. I love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. It makes me feel free and like I can get my stuff done while being where I want to be. So I can take video calls from the park or download podcasts to listen to while I walk Seamus. And working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile's. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. So you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need. They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anyone else. You can stream and download your favorite entertainment, check hotel reviews, and make restaurant reservations. And with all that coverage, you can stay connected to the people you care about most. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas, fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speedtest Intelligence Data Q3 2023. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. The holiday season may be at its end, thank you baby Jesus, but the opportunities for giving amazing life-changing gifts have just begun. And yes, diapers are a life-changing gift. Imagine your first-time parent struggling with time management and financial burdens. Don't really have to imagine. I remember it directly. And all the challenges of your first child. And then you get a huge shipment of diapers funded by all your family and friends. That's a good feeling. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's exactly what Pampers is doing with their diaper stash. I love this so much. It's an online diaper fund. So you can contribute to a diaper stockpile and help ensure it never runs out. And one of the most difficult things about buying diapers for others is making sure that you guess the right fits and sizes. And with Pampers Diaper Fund, all that guesswork goes away. So if there's a new parent or expecting parent in your life, you will be making their lives a lot easier and showing them how many people are excited for their huge milestone. Organizing a diaper stash is easy. Go to diaperstash.pampers.com to set up a fund and give the ultimate group gift. Love it. Love it. Love it, love it.